Hello and welcome back to Do The Franchise. I'm Jake. And I'm James. And we are back, James. We've had a bit of a break, um, mostly due to holiday constraints, birthdays, um, lots of other things, work scheduling conflicts. But we won't bore you with that. We are back together, aren't we? We are indeed. That's the main thing. Um, <laughs> and we are doing our review, a final review of um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire, not not the Chariots of Fire, which is a theme tune I've had in my head the whole time I've been watching it. And every time I say Goblet of Fire, I think of Chariots of Fire. It's also ruined it for me now, because all I can think about is Chariots of Fire every time I look at the title. <laughs> I mean, also, Goblet of Fire is the title of the book and film. Goblet of Fire didn't really do a lot. No. Does it? No. Uh, I, I did make a note that the Goblet of Fire... And at, at the point it's revealed, yeah, all the other fires are put out to, <laughs> yeah. to make this look better and more I special. Mean, also, I mean, as a as a MacGuffin, which I guess it kind of is for the plot, um, it doesn't serve much of a purpose. No, no. no. I, I, and I also I, I couldn't quite work out. Um, again, spoilers if you've not watched the film, but don't you really it. should have at this should point. Have, don't, don't listen to us. Watch yeah. the film first. <laughs> watch the film first. You don't want to be like me. You don't want to be the only other person who hasn't seen any of the Harry Potter films. Um, but when we get to the end, there's another goblet that looks very different to the first goblet. Yes, there is. There's, there's, a, there's a cup that they win, which isn't the cup that they draw out of. Which one's the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> That's the first one. The one with the blue flames coming out of it. That's the Goblet of Fire. It's exhausting, isn't it? Oh, right. there's so many I, goblets. I'm going to shoot right in, James, with... Uh, well, this is... Goblet of Fire came out 18th of November 2005. Whoa, it was a long time ago now. That, that does feel like a long time ago. It is kind of scary, isn't it, that 2005? It seems like quite a while ago now, but it's weird watching it back for me because I watched it as a teenager. Yeah. And I have quite a fond memory of that film going into the cinema to watch it. Um, first thoughts? Good, good. Definitely uh, way better than the second film. Yeah, I think uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to put the second film to bed. <laughs> I think everything's going to be better than the second film. So if you are watching this yeah. in series like we are, uh, get past the second film. It gets a lot better. It's Agreed. like... Breaking Bad, um, but with wizards. Um, so once you get past that second film, third film, really, really enjoyed it. This is a, a good continuation of that for me. I really liked yeah. the, the way the story carried forward from that. Yeah. Very good. So, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes give it an audience score of 88%. Pretty strong That's yeah. for, for the audience score. Um, IMDb, IMDb have given this 7.7 out of 10. Uh, James, what are you thinking of that one? I, I'm... I'm higher than IMDb. I'm probably an 8 out of 10 at this okay. point. I, I really enjoyed... Not as high as Prisoner of Azkaban, but pretty, pretty no, good. No, no. Well, once yeah. I dealt with the fact that the film lied to me, it's the escapee of Azkaban. Uh, <laughs> I, I was okay with the rest yeah, of it, and I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Great. I loved that. Um, we've got a lot scarier this time. Uh, we yeah. start out with some skulls, James. Skulls. And Did you put that as well? Yes, skulls and... They, uh, Warner Brothers really have a type when it comes to theme music, especially for yeah. the dark films. It does start out with a really epic score. This score's Patrick Doyle this time, not Mr. Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think budget constraints. <laughs> they had to do a lot of shit in this film. There, there, there is a lot. So I think um, they had to drop John Williams, unfortunately. I don't I mean, know how it works. I mean, I'm going to have to do some more research for next week, but yeah. To the point where you mentioned budget constraints, but there's a, there's a bit sort of... I'd say 70% of the way through the film, 
where Harry is in Dumbledore's office and they bother to put a CGI forks the phoenix in the back yeah they did it doesn't they? do anything <laughs> <laughs> but it must have cost a fortune to animate that bird <laughs> there's quite a lot of uh, when I don't know about you I notice it they're doing that thing that I talked to you about in episode 3 which they're starting to reference things that have come before now they're bringing characters back there's some recurring characters in this one um, they do a lot to pay off setup, and they're doing a little bit of setup in this one. Obviously, at the ending, a big setup for what's to come. Yeah, but it's the fir- for me, it's the first film where they start to pay off on things they've set up. It felt like three movies of a lot of exposition. It is reliant on you having at least seen the previous films. Yeah. Or read the books. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think if we jumped in at this film, which, why would we? But if we had, yeah. I would have no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> simple things like you'd expect characters that Harry would interact with yeah. more don't get any time at all in this film. Draco, no. hardly in this film at all. There's scenes where Tom Felton's That's interesting. Filmed, yeah, it's really interesting but you say that. You'd expect a, like, a film meant for kids would have kids interacting. With kids. With kids. But That's, Harry has yeah. more time with Lucius than he does with Draco, mm. which was weird for me. I'll give you a thing. I mean, th- with this movie, and I will talk probably more about it as we go on, they had to trim back a lot. Right. Now, this book, now it's not going to make sense for listeners, but to James, it's about that thick. It's wow. massive. It's the first one that got big. I think when it came out, it was sort of... You know, kids couldn't even pick it up on, yeah. the, fir- on the first edition hardback. It was heavy. It's wow. a big book. Okay. And there was a lot of plot. And there's a lot of plot in the film. There's so many things they've cut <laughs> out of this movie. But I think to its credit, what the producers and the writers of this kind of decided upon, and I've read quite a bit about this doing this podcast, they decided that they had to follow Harry's storyline. Yeah. And there's a lot of subplot in this in this book that follows Hermione's storyline, Ron's storyline, Harry's storyline, Fred right. and George's storyline. They have a kind of a storyline of their own. Lots of characters have branches of storylines that are really well told. Yeah. And they pay off in a really cool way and they're they're hinted upon in the movie, but they're they're not really explored because they just simply don't have time. So this is the first film to start that doesn't start with Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, it starts with a house, an old man, a caretaker his name is uh, Frank, Frank Bryce. Frank, yeah. the caretaker. And he's eavesdropping a conversation between Pettigrew, David Tennant's character at this point we don't know, who's yeah. called, what was his name, Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah. And a disfigured looking baby Voldemort. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was really, really strange. Like when, when the snake went up to see him. Yes, he does, yeah. I, I was like, oh, it's got to be Voldemort. But yeah. then we don't actually... Uh, we don't actually see him. No. We, we hear him and then we see a little finger, I think. We do, yeah, you see little hands. Yeah, little hands, but yeah, we don't actually get to see full-on baby Voldemort until much later. It's supposed to be the manifestation of Voldemort's soul. Ah, that okay. baby, skeletal, fetal-looking thing is, is, is this piece of his soul. I think they kind of go into it more in the books and they will later in the films, but it's, it's his soul, basically. They're interacting with the soul of Voldemort. Voldemort's purpose is to become himself again to right. gain a body so is this when going back to the very first film yeah when he was floaty cloak bloke yes. he was much bigger mm. and then, remember in the first film he's on the back of professor quirrell's head yeah trying to come back through quirrell using his body as a vessel and that's sort of explored in the film a little bit yeah he's drinking blood of unicorns to stay alive and all that so in this he 
it doesn't really explain it properly. Yeah. The diary and the boy who comes out of the diary is explained much later, which we'll go into in, okay. another, in another episode. But he is at this point a, a, a shadowy image of his former self. His house is the house that belonged to his father, Thomas Riddle. I, yeah, I got that yeah. from, from the end when they're yeah. having a conversation. Uh, that made sense. Mm, Obviously, it's his, it's his muggle father's house. Right, okay. So, because through the, the dream sequences that we see, yeah. uh, we that's not explained too well no, until you get no, to the end. No. But for the film, that, that works. Yeah. Because uh, I sort of had an idea that that's what, it was going for because it was a it was a house Voldemort lived in it yeah. probably his yeah um, he's but... sort of he's sort of squatting um, <laughs> sort of squatting uh, but it's we're... kind of I guess legally his house yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's technically his house and he's chosen to live there with David Tennant and Ron's rat yes <laughs> brilliant <laughs> uh. Potter's back, James. Yeah. He's having bad dreams. He's so <laughs> Harry sees this this vision in the house, this conversation in the house as a dream. Yeah. Which we are as an audience given the concept that it's a dream, but it is reality. It's, it's actually happening. It's, it's actually happening, so the caretaker is dead. Yes, and it did happen. And it's to kind of usher in the sort of, I guess the overarching darkness and the dark tone of this movie is that there's something on its way, something bad's going to happen. And surely to God, no one's going to put Harry in harm's way. No. Why would they do that? <laughs> Why? Why would they do that when he's perfectly capable of it himself, it seems? Uh, what have you put for the next bit? Uh, I, I've just made a comment that Merlin exists in this world because the wizards do say Merlin's beard quite a lot. Yes, they do, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so Merlin is <clears throat> canon, as it were. So you've got King Arthur the lot. I, I, I don't know. I guess I'd have to ask Joran Rowling. I, didn't, I think, yeah, it's hinted upon him. He's never, you, don't see, you don't see Merlin. No, you don't see him. But Merlin exists. Harry Potter's still really famous. Um, yeah. The, uh, I forget his name, but Cedric's dad, we'll yeah. call him, uh, says, oh, you must be Harry Potter. Yeah. Being that they'd already arranged to meet up on this trek. He must have known he was He going. must have known Harry was coming. Harry's got a ticket. <laughs> He's got a tent. So um, yeah. I like this bit. I've put, <laughs> I've put. Hermione's really angry at Ron about his timekeeping, but Hermione can turn back time. <laughs> so we know that's not an issue for any we've, of them. We've already established that Hermione can sort any time <sighs> issues out that she wants. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of this. I've got a feeling about this. Yeah, Ron not great at timekeeping or magic. <laughs> As previously established. Um, And then, James, we discover that you can, in fact, teleport through reality history. um, With an old boot. With a boot. Sort of like the fireplaces in the other ones. Why do they use the... the, Because it seems to me Mm. witches and wizards would have a a deep-seated fear of fire based on the historical way that witches are treated. Why use fire when you've got boots and... (laughs) Goblets of nothing, uh, not fire. Goblets of not fire at the end of the film yeah. is also used in the same way yeah. uh, as the boot. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the, the whole film at this stage is a bit strange because everything, I guess to make it seem darker, is yeah. quite dull green and brown. It's sort of like the Zack Snyder yeah. filter I, I that they've got going on. I need to analyse it probably a bit closer than I did, ideally. I think I was just trying to get through it. Um, 
it, I think this film, if I remember right, it shifts its tone, even musically and and tonally, and the color palette, like you said, the mise en scène. It gets from the beginning this whimsical, fun elation of like the Quidditch World Cup and yeah. Harry's with his friends and it does throughout that movie it gets darker and the tones of the film get darker and I think after it sort of peaks it does go very grey and very dull and it unfortunately does. James that's going to carry on <laughs> brilliant I'm expecting the last film to be black and white yeah. um, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> so we're at the Quidditch World Cup my favourite bit I think I, it's my favourite bit in the book it's probably my favourite bit in the film I think it's brilliant I have questions go on why do the Quidditch pitchers have lines on the ground? Didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> they all have. They, they have. They have. Brilliant. As regular football field style, yeah. rugby pitch style lines on the ground. Why? It's all in the air. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I guess if the ball lands on the ground, would does you it not mean decide? anything? Well, I imagine it's sort of like who takes the penalty. So if you drop the quaffle, and it oh, drops, gosh. it drops within your own half. You wouldn't want to do that. You'd no, surely no, you'd have to take a, like a foul throw, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, anybody that knows the rules of Quidditch engagement, please get in touch with the show. We'd love to know more. Brendan, we're looking for you to answer all these questions, <laughs> if you're listening. Outside of Quidditch, it mm. looks a bit like they've gone to Glastonbury. Yeah. It's like Wizard Glastonbury. They all have yeah. tents. Um, the Weasley's tent that Harry's staying in, um, mm. is actually bigger than the Weasley house. Yeah, this baffles <laughs> Harry, despite Harry being in the wizarding world now for four years, he's still shocked by everything. <laughs> he seems baffled by this tent that's just bigger. Than the, everyone just, everyone watching you go, it's the TARDIS, it's TARDIS, Harry, it's a yeah. TARDIS. You'll be aware of the TARDIS. Yep, been around a long time, Doctor Who. You must know what the, t- like, it's just bigger on the inside than the outside. Simple magic trick. Surely to God that's come up at some point. Even if you're not aware of Doctor Who, yeah. at this point in your wizarding experience, nothing should surprise you. <laughs> really. Nothing I mean the the things he's seen. Yeah. I mean he's seen somebody store their living memory in inside a diary. A, book. a big on the inside, small on the outside tent. Not that, that that's not that impressive. In the last episode, last film, he defied the laws of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the tent just seems less impressive now. Although, yeah. it really does seem more impressive than the Weasley house. Why it don't does. they just live in the tent? <laughs> <laughs> There's an episode title. <laughs> Jason Isaacs, James, he's back. Yes. Love Jason Isaacs. I'm going to say this every time he comes upon screen. He has a great line um, dissing Harry, which I think is really good. <laughs> Even though, again, he's like a 40-odd-year-old man. He's taking the piss out of a child and his family. Um He's back, um, Draco's back, and yeah. they had that little cool Quidditch moment where he makes a joke about them getting wet at the top of the uh, stand. I love, I love yeah. that, I thought it was really good. Uh, I love this as well, I've put, during the Quidditch sequence, Ron seems to be looking in the wrong direction the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's given Rupert any direction on where the, <laughs> the Quidditch players are going to be. Ron loves Victor Crumb. Now, Victor Crumb is introduced in the Quidditch World Cup as the Bulgarian seeker who catches yeah. the snitch now in the book he does catch the snitch and it, it ends the game but despite catching the snitch they lose because Ireland have got more points than Bulgaria it's a really weird thing that happens in the book I'm and this, starting to accept that rules don't matter anymore they really don't Victor Crumb the young actor that plays him you're going to love this he only has one line in the entire no four lines in the entire movie uh, stretched out for two and a half hours his name is Stanislav uh, Lanevsky and that is, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to struggle with that, aren't I? But yeah, he is uh, the young actor that plays that plays Victor Crumb. 
Four lines. Four that's lines. It. Job done. Right. Just show up, four lines, go home, get paid. That's nice. Yeah. For I mean, I imagine you travel quite far looking at the name. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, they do filming in several scenes, so he's not got that many lines, but he's in a lot of the mm. film, isn't it? So that, yeah. that must have been a lot of work for four lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, it was good. And then after the Quidditch World Cup, we... It goes south pretty quickly. It does, doesn't it? We get that intense... I think this whole movie goes at such an intense pace, it's a little bit hard to, to keep on going. Because I yeah. was making... Like you, I was making notes whilst we were watching this. And I struggled to keep on what the bloody hell was going on. I couldn't see. And I looked up and then as the next thing's happening, you look up, something else is happening. It's the, relentless, isn't it? it uh, this this <laughs> whole episode, again, is, is uh, from my perspective, brought to you by my sister's DVD collection. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had to uh, I had to do this uh, in, in two sittings. I couldn't get through the entire film in one go yeah. and make notes. I think what I might try and do for the next one is just watch the film and then go back and re-watch it yeah. making notes. Because yeah. it was a lot to take in. As you say, there's a lot that happens. Um, we... They put a tattoo in the sky? Yeah, the dark mark is conjured by David Tennant. Amazing David Tennant. I love oh, that he pops up. I, I love that he pops up, and he pops up exactly where Harry's been knocked out again. Yeah, if you notice as well, David Tennant's character, Crouch, he has, I think, three intros in this film. So he's introduced yeah. to the audience in three separate scenes and never really introduced. And slightly, it looks slightly different in all of yeah, them. Yeah, he does. It's really odd. <laughs> it's really, really um, strange. So David Tennant pops up, he conjures the dark mark, and this is Voldemort's... Uh, symbol which they used to conjure to assert dominance. Right, right. And this so is Voldemort's followers and tagging. Yeah, where, like where a Banksy. Be. Yeah, like a big a, glowing Banksy. Except this one moves. Yeah, it does. It's cool. They've won up Banksy. Um, and then yeah, um, this kind of I think David Tennant being introduced. He's not introduced that character Barty Crouch Jr. is not introduced in the book until much later. Oh, okay. Um, so the fact that you see his face. Both at the beginning and at the Quidditch World Cup, I think it gives quite a bit away. I don't know. What did you think? Because you're watching it from, yeah. from a fresh perspective. The frustration for me was um, the fact that you'd seen him so many times. Mm. The the reveal in Dumbledore's dream sequence or, or memory yeah. is, is less impressive. Because mm. it's like, oh, that's who he is. That makes sense. The two pretty famous British actors that you've obviously paid a lot for are related. Yeah. Chocker. Uh, <laughs> but again, that might be why they use him so frequently, is because, yeah. you know, David Tennant, probably not that cheap. And then we see the remarkable uh, Roger Lloyd Pack. He is as good in this as he is in everything. Yes. He's brilliant. Isn't he brilliant? He, I kind of forgot how good he was. And you go back and watch some of the stuff, especially if you look at the stuff the BBC published after he passed away. Yeah. He's just a, he's just a phenomenal actor. Very versatile. Yeah. Very versatile. and He's really intense. Yeah. But he's comical as well. It's, it's great. He shows up, James. Didn't bring his broom, did he? No, no. Do you like that? I do. Do you like what I did there? Yeah. Trigger, Trig, trigger didn't bring his broom. Trigger didn't bring his broom. Um, <laughs> he... <laughs> He's very quick to accuse Harry of making that snake thing appear. There. He does, yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, in the book, it's uh, conjured by Barty Crouch's elf. Oh, no. It's conjured by his son, spoiler okay. alert, who we see. Yeah. But it is, they blame it on his elf. You know oh. how all the rich people have elves? Yeah. Um, Dobby and an elf called Winky. Um, Winky and Dobby, interestingly enough for you and for the fans, yeah. it is, they are in the movie. They are seen 
for a split second, and I'm going to put this on uh, probably on our Twitter page, and I'm going to show it to James while I can. They're seen for a split second during the sequence in the camp when okay. the girls and where um, Harry and the girls and, and Ron's dad and that all arrive. They're here and they're riding on llamas. <laughs> Can you see that? Yeah. They were just showing James the screenshot from the movie. That's brilliant. So the bit where they're walking through the campsite, um, I think Ginny Weasley shouts, look at that over there. Right. And for a split second, you see Winky and Dobby, Dobby on the on back llamas. of llamas. Yeah, brilliant. That's, Found that, and I love that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's good that, you know, they're there and David Tennant happens. Yes, he does. The tattoo in the sky happens. It does, yeah. And uh, it's all a big hoo-hoo-ha-ha when the bad guys arrive. Then we just cut to the train. We're yep, on the train. Back to school. Back to school. <laughs> uh, and they're reading about events that they were part of Yeah, in the paper. I've, I don't understand that. Yeah. I've put in my notes, trolley lady's back, <laughs> despite last year where she couldn't get down the train because <laughs> of the Dementors. <laughs> <sighs> Is it the same trolley lady? I think so. That's good. I've no idea. I'll, 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 I'll have to go back and, and, yeah. and check it out. But, you know, it's nice to see she's back offering them sweets and... Uh, you know, yeah. I think at this point, yeah. Harry does offer to pay for Ron's... He does, James. But Ron says no. No, he does. He's humble. Oh. But, yeah, it is. It's a shock horror. It's the first time in the film, and I've been bollocks for this by Brendan and a few other fans of the franchise, that he does offer a lot in the books. Yeah. Don't care about the books. Right. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> offer in the films. Um, and, yeah, but he does. He says, I'll, pay, I'll get it. And Ron says no. Uh, and it's the first time that he does it. And Harry uh, gets his first look at Cho Chang, the Ravenclaw student who he, who he uh, fancies. Do you remember? Oh, yes. Um, yes, I have, I have some yeah. questions for later. Yeah, Cho Chang questions is for later. a big character in the books. Uh, she's in the books quite a bit. Uh, glad they put her in. She's, lovely. she's a good character. She's cool. Yeah. And you get to see her. Um, we then get to... We get the new schools introduced, so we get to Hogwarts. Yes, yeah. again, pacey. It's so pacey. This film so pacey. We have uh, Jack Sparrow arriving. Uh, <laughs> Jack Cin- Sparrow on his flying, on his sinkable boat that comes out of the water. Cinderella pops by. Yeah, um, but it's not. It's not those characters. I hey. got excited, but it's not them. Yeah, so they introduced Fleur Delacour. I'm going to read through them for you, James, because I've got, I mean, so much exposition, so many characters to get through in this film. And my God, they do get them in quick. Fleur Delacour, Crum, uh, Victor Crum, Barty Crouch from the Ministry, Madame Maxime, head of the school, yeah. Igor Karkaroff, head of the Durmstrang School, um, Rob Pattinson <laughs> <laughs> as a Hufflepuff pouty face boy. Yeah. Um, and the new defence against the dark arts teacher. Alistair Mad-Eye Moody, played by Brendan Gleeson. Yes. <sighs> Have I missed anybody? No, that, that's it. And to be fair, the sigh that you just made is the sound I think <laughs> Hermione must have made when um, Big Woman, I forget her name again, walks into Madame the room. Madame Maxime. Madame Every, Maxime. Everyone runs, oh, look, she's really tall. Mm. Hermione looks so unimpressed by yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, Ron and the other boys, it's, it's a bit saucy. They uh, they do a lot of uh, winky expressions and and it's it, a bit much for it, a fourteen year old boy. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a lot going on there that didn't sit right. with yeah. the age that they're meant to be playing. The only other thing that you did miss out, which I yeah, I need some clarification on here, Hagrid is a gamekeeper again <sighs> because um, tall lady no, asks about yeah. the horses the flying pegasus things yes, that, that yes, bring yes. cinderella's chariot in yes um 
And Dumbledore says, don't worry, our gamekeeper will make sure they're fed. He was a teacher last film. You're right, he was Professor Hagrid last year. Yeah. I don't Has know. Has he been I... demoted again for letting the griffin... Hippogriff? Hippogriff. Not a hippogriff, the griffin. Um, <laughs> attack, because it's a griffin, uh, attack uh, Tom Felton. Uh, did Hagrid lose his job? Doesn't a griffin have lion parts? I thought that's what the claws were. I don't know. I'm going to have to Google that. No. I think. No. Do you know what? The honest answer is I don't know. Uh, right. I think Hagrid is... Brendan, we is, need is, your help in, again. Yeah, he's in multiple roles, it seems. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't do any teaching, let's be honest. I don't think anyone does any fucking teaching in this film because <laughs> there's so many things going on. There's not a whole lot of lessons, James. No, no lessons. Um, they, so then we get introduced to what is basically... I mean, we've been in this film about half an hour. They, they finally set the plot up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason that these schools have arrived and had a big cinematic entrance. It's the Tri-Wizard Tournament, James. The, the Tri-Wizard <laughs> Tournament. So, Tri, three. Yeah, three, three wizards, schools, three, three schools, champions. Three champions. Rule of three. Rule of three. Um, uh, maths. <laughs> can't imagine anything's <laughs> going to go wrong in this tournament. And then we get a little sequence where they show you the Goblet of Fire. I've put in just before that... Magic Roof doesn't like Mad-Eye Moody when he comes in. <laughs> Significant question mark. Ooh. Why is nobody else alarmed at the, the fucking... The roof kicks it off the when roof Moody gets comes in. really angry. Uh, they explain the rules of the... Uh, the new rules of the Triwizard Cup. Because of the tattoo in the sky, uh, they're not going like, to let young <laughs> kids... Enter, yes, yes. which they have done in the past, assuming that th- yeah, that's a it's new never rule. really explained, is it? They just sort of go because of stuff that's going on. Anyone under seventeen can't come in. Yeah, not allowed to get in it. Which, when you realise what the Triwizard Tournament is, yeah, and the fact that they've probably have let young kids do it in the past is a bit disturbing. But I wrote. Uh, new rules, which will obviously be ignored. Yeah. Because uh, that's what I'm learning from these films. Uh, again, why bring the rule in the first place? Yeah. I mean, You've got he... Dumbledore, headmaster. He doesn't, he's, he's enforcing the rule. Yeah. He draws a thing around the cup so you can't put your name in, that you can't if you're not old enough. He's got the minister, one of the Minister of Magic he's in. Yeah. He's there to enforce the rules. Yeah. Rules go out the fucking window, don't they, pretty quick? Yeah, no one cares about the rules. Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed about that. And then put a stupid scene that makes no sense to me as both a viewer of the movies and a fan of the franchise. Igor Karkaroff is later seen sneaking into the hall, presumably to do something to the Goblet of Fire. But this never comes up again, it's never addressed. No. No, yeah, that's Do you weird. remember that bit? Yeah, he goes in there, looks a bit evil. Yeah, he does. No, nothing comes does of that. Does nothing. No. And it's like a red herring. Yeah. But it's in, it's unnecessary. Has, we he, don't... has he gone in just to have a look at it? God knows. <laughs> <laughs> and it's completely pointless because as the exposition and the, and the plot, as we find out later, there is this conspiracy. Yeah. It's got fuck all to do with Igor Karkaroff. But it's no. like they just sort of unnecessarily nod you toward him because he used to be a, a, a Death Eater, one of Voldemort's minions. Yeah. You go... That's enough. Yeah. Just say he was one of Voldemort's minions. You don't need to have him sneaking around the castle like a villain, like he's like one of the burglars in Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah, it's it's strange. It, it is, is strange, strange, isn't it? We have a new lesson from the dark mm-hmm. arts teacher. Yeah, we do. My next note, uh, all about unforgivable curses. Yeah, Moody's lesson, although dangerous, is probably one of the best lessons <laughs> they've ever had because they've actually learned something. Surely all curses are unforgivable, though. If you curse somebody, that's not a good thing. 
Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Why are there unforgivable curses? But there are curses that surely then, they're all right. I, I don't understand. I think it's a little bit like crimes. There's level of crime, isn't there? So if you perform any of the three curses... Straight to Azkaban. Straight to Azkaban. But if you're Do a dog, go. if you're a dog, you can get out. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can transform you, you, to a dog. So what a you want rat. to do before you start committing these crimes? Make sure you have the ability to transform into one of the above, <laughs> <laughs> or an owl, so you can simply fly out of the prison. I just put here, um, Moody's clearly an alcoholic. Has nobody checked that flask? Yes, yes. I I also he keeps drinking on stuff that. from he it. He keeps drinking from that hip flask, and at the same time, after. Torturing uh, a spider, spider, lobstery thing. I'm not sure what it was, but after mm. torturing that in front of Neville, the drunk alcoholic comes down and offers him tea. He does. Yeah. Why would you go back into the classroom with also, the drunk alcoholic? He's had to limp down with a fake leg all the way down those stairs to then yeah. hobble all the way back up with Neville. Yeah, yeah. I, it seems it seems like a lot of work, a lot of effort. And is that the point where he teaches Neville? About the, the, weed. the weed. Yeah, I is think it's what... when he gives him the book about stuff. We then get a brilliant scene with Fred and George. Um, it's I like this scene. I thought it really added a bit of... We needed some light relief in the film. It doesn't have a lot of it. No. It really is quite an intense movie. I, yeah. um, and the kids being kids, which I think is just great. They, they put a potion, they drink an age potion so they can beat the... Uh, beat the little circle and put their name in the Goblet of Fire and yeah. it all goes wrong. And it I think it was, really, it was really funny. We then get the three champions. Um, but hang on, James. There's not just three champions. There's four. Four, yeah. So shouldn't this be the Quad Wizard Championship? I've actually put down here Quad Wizard Death Games. Quad Wizard, yeah. yeah. Well, Again, this another title. Another title. <laughs> so the Quad Wizard Death Games, um, <laughs> they, they, they start obviously with... Uh, Dumbledore pulling these names out of the hat, quite uh, out of the goblet. Literally pulling them out of a magic hat kind yeah. of thing. And and we get to three. Three's the magic number. Three's the number they were expecting. Mm. And then all of a sudden it spits out a fourth one. It does. With, with Harry's name on it, obviously, because it's about him. Yep. It's um, called Trevor's Tournament. Um, we've also, we've got rules, haven't we? We've already assessed those rules. If you're not 17, you're not getting yeah. in. And in various points in these films, Dumbledore... Does seem to be not that fussed about rules, except this rule. He gets very angry. <laughs> and really is he more Irish in this film <laughs> than his his accent? Yeah. <laughs> his accent comes through a little more Irish in this film than it does in in the previous film. So obviously, Gambon's not Irish. No, Richard Harris was Irish. Yeah, and it's this strange thing that Gambon does to sort of, I guess, channel his inner. He's in a Dumbledore. He's Richard Harris. Because uh, in the last film, I, I was cool with it just being Gambon, and it's Gambon now. It's Gambon, Gambon mean Dumbledore, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, but in this film, it stood out because it was different. And then I also put Ron is pissed off that he doesn't get to go on death trials. Yeah, he doesn't. Ron wants to go on death trials. Harry doesn't want to go on death trials. Uh, but Dumbledore's really rough with Harry in this sequence. Um, he gets apparently in the book, and I got told this by someone at work, so I'm going to have to double check this. I'm going to check my facts. Apparently, the line just says, Dumbledore gently puts his hand on Harry's shoulder and says, did you put your name in that goblet of fire? <laughs> in the film, Dumbledore practically smashes him against a wall. <laughs> he, he, he's really unhappy with this. Uh, and, you know, um, late, later, he seems to accept responsibility for putting Harry in harm's way. He does. Which is... Weird, because at first yeah. he doesn't seem to want to do it. Also, I mean, me and you are just observers of a movie. In Harry Potter world, they've just had 
all of Harry, uh, sorry, Voldemort's minions have just shown up for the first time in years. Yeah. They've caused havoc at the Quidditch World Cup. They've conjured the dark mark to mark their territory. And there's a foreboding sense of, of doom coming. And Harry's name's been put in the Goblet of Fire. Don't let him go in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, there's nothing you know, There's nothing to say that Harry <laughs> should just be taken out of this, this yeah. Triwizard Cup. Because it's a Triwizard Cup. He's a fourth person. Have him be like a backup. Yeah. Let him be Cedric Diggory's understudy. Yeah, that, that, that works. That that would make more sense. But then, obviously, the film wouldn't happen. So, so. We, we see Dumbledore's office again. The Pensieve, uh, which I don't know if it's addressed in the movie, it's called the Pensieve, and it is the bowl of memories that Dumbledore uses. Right, yeah. It's I, very I, important to the plot of this movie to an extent and the later movies. Ah, so I, I named this much later down as the Magic Wash Basin. Yes. Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I, I was a bit confused about what it was. Obviously, it stores memories. But it does, yeah. I, it seems to... Be like Tom Riddle's diary in a way. It can bring kind you of. into the... Everything seems to be able to bring you into its own world. As Dumbledore says, it's if your mind's a wee bit stretched, you can stick your memories in there and you can recall them whenever you need to. You don't have to have them all in your head. And I think it's just sort of like a, like a metaphor for that. It, it becomes very, very important. And I think the sixth film slash right. book... Okay. Um, and we will be talking about it more. Is this um, like very, very important, like Ron's rat was very important? Yeah. Okay, I'll, keep, I'll bear that in mind. It, because again, Rowling does this beautiful thing in the books where she brings in these things for like plot devices. And I think she <laughs> realises later on how important they are okay. later. So you can really use a bowl of memories to actually go back and do a lot of cool stuff. That's cool. Um, we see that Ron and Harry have broken up. Yeah. I've put mine the language wrong. It's a kids' film. This, yeah, I think he's, it's a twelve A. He's and, language uh, Ron. They uh, they get interviewed. They do, yeah, by Miranda Richardson. Brilliant casting. I love this. This was great. My my favorite bit was the fact that she made a broom cupboard joke. She did. I, I yeah. hope that's in the book. <laughs> I, I hope the remember. book is self aware enough to make broom cupboard jokes because that's good. Oh god! Again, I like Roger Lloyd Pack. Just some delightful, brilliant amazing British thespians that just pop up in these films and yeah. they're gone. Yeah. Like, they just literally pop up for a bit. And, and I love Miranda Richardson. I've always loved her. I think she's great in everything. She's brilliant in Blackadder. Oh, yeah. And then to see her just playing this horrible woman. She's in Rita Skeeter. Rita Skeeter, um, okay. Unfortunately, I don't know if she pops up again in any of the other oh. films. She is in the books a bit. And I think she's made reference to Miranda Richardson. She's made, you know, the character's yeah. made reference to again, but you don't really see her again. Okay. And again, brilliant, great casting. Perfect. I, I really like that bit. And then we, we go to a post room. Yeah, I thought we, you'd like this. We, we go up to the post room, the, the, the least sanitary post room in, <laughs> in all the world. I told you in episode uh, one, it's just shit and feathers. The, I, I mm. think I might have solved Voldemort's problem. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to do anything to get to Harry other than write him a letter. Because if he gets Harry to spend enough time in this post room, he will die. Yeah, I hope he's on his jabs. The the I hope he has his jabs because the bird bites him. He does, yeah. And yeah. then what Harry's instant reaction is to put that bitten finger in his mouth. He's doomed. Yeah. They, they, that, that was a horrible bird. Apparently Hedwig's getting the season off. Um, <laughs> Because it's uh, she, sorry, I keep calling him a, a, her a he, but it's a she, isn't it? I don't think it? anyone's going to jump on you for that. I, I, I don't know, they might do. I'm, I'm trying to be as accurate as possible mm. whilst not knowing anybody's names. Uh, <laughs> in fact, the only name I seem to remember is Harry's and Hedwig's. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, she's too recognisable, is Sirius's argument. Yeah, uh, and they're gonna, so, he thinks the Ministry of Magic are going to intercept it and track him down. Yeah. He is in the book quite a bit, but in the 
film you don't really get much Oldman you don't get much Gary of Sirius Black no. um, Harry does go then and have a FaceTime call with Sirius in the fireplace yes <laughs> yes I like this uh, Harry gets gets annoyed at the uh, the review or the interview yeah and scrunches the newspaper up and throws it in the vague general direction of the fire if you watch the film it goes nowhere near the fire does it not no brilliant it, it's just by the side of the fire yet still manages to catch on fire later yeah uh, like <laughs> Anakin Skywalker in uh, episode three. There's no any lava, but spontaneously combusts. They're on this FaceTime call, and and Ron <laughs> interrupts, and he's still angry. Yeah, Ron's a right moody git in this film, isn't it? Yeah, oh, God. Also, I've had a look through my notes. No magic from Ron. Still, still no magic. Still no magic. We're going to keep a little tally for when he does finally do some fucking magic. Maybe, maybe Ron's the one. <sighs> character that's just good at maths maybe he just goes to all the maths yeah. lessons that we never see yeah maybe uh i'd say gary oldman gets paid for this appearance <laughs> really <laughs> yes he does <laughs> i guess it's his likeness in he, a fire he's credited in the in the end in credits um Brilliant. he's barely in this movie but he's in he's in he's in the fireplace for about what 30 seconds yeah and he tells harry people die in this tournament there's no friends at hogwarts yeah you're fucked basically harry he does he's not good he's not nice about it he says there are no friends at Hogwarts. Yep. Harry then proves him wrong throughout the film by not actually ever solving anything or doing anything. Everything that happens to Harry happens to Harry and then he's brought out of that trouble by students, other students. Or somebody else. Somebody else. Yeah. Not him. No, so I agree. So there's loads of friends at Hogwarts. Yep. <clears throat> Gary Oldman needs, needs to calm down. He's obviously a fugitive and a bit paranoid. Yeah. But Harry's actually in a pretty decent place. He's got... A few friends, not Ron at this point, uh, <laughs> but he's got a few friends that are looking out for him, including Hermione, who I think shouts my favourite line of the film Go after on. this, where she just yells at uh, both Ron and Harry saying, I'm not an owl. <laughs> I just love the idea that you live in a world where you have to use that as a, as like a, turn as a of phrase. phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an owl. Yeah, I'm moving swiftly on. Um, dragons are finally seen in the franchise, James. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, I have a, a history with with this scene that I didn't realise. Okay. Um, I, um, I have some friends who are really into Game of Thrones mm. and really into Harry Potter. Okay. And they had a WhatsApp group. Their WhatsApp group is Thrones or Potter. And they just put up random screen grabs <laughs> from both <laughs> franchises. And you have to guess which one they're from. Yes, so we have dragons. Ron's kept this dragon intel. Just the one dragon, James. Let's not get carried away. The budget only allows for one dragon. Oh, yeah. We, we hear the others roaring, though. Yeah, we they've, do. Got, they've got sound around. effects for multiple dragons, just not the visual effects. <laughs> um, so he's kept this dragon intel to himself as Ron, except he's asked Hagrid to... Uh, hmm. To take him down there. Yeah. And Hagrid reveals the first task is going to be uh, dragons are going to fight a dragon. And then Malfoy gets turned into a ferret. Yes. <laughs> and its second favourite line is, technically, it's a ferret. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be another episode title. <laughs> I need to start writing these down, James. Don't worry, I have notes. Technically, oh, it's a ferret. Excellent. Um, then we get to the first task. Yes. First task. Uh, so Harry is the last person to do the task. Yes. This must suck. Everyone's there watching. Are there any lessons going on? Uh, yeah. At this point, I think school school's shut. Everyone's at this Triwizard Cup, whereas previously everyone was mm. at the uh, 
the um, Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. So no one's actually been to school for a while. No. And also, uh, if you don't get the egg in this competition, which I was going to say earlier, if you don't get the egg, you're out. Yes. It's basically the point of this competition now, isn't it? The first yeah. task. They were, they were, uh, it's the Triwizard Cup. Why do they have four dragons? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were well prepared. <laughs> they, they knew, they knew what was going on. Somebody um, knew. And uh, whilst the other competitors mm. are busy doing their, their dragon test, we are treated to a fairly long shot of Harry in his tent. <laughs> we don't actually get to see any of the action. I'm guessing it's to save the, the shock and awe of the dragon for us as an yeah, audience, I, but we, we're, you're just watching Harry yeah. look a bit morose in a Th- tent. This, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is that the, the, the producers and the writers and directors, they wanted to take it in the direction that Harry is the main focus, so we only see things from Harry's perspective. So, yeah, we, we, we don't see any of the others. We no. don't see how they cheated to win, because no. Harry cheats. Harry gets his broom. Yeah, Harry summons his firebolt, which yes. is uh, established in the last film. Uh, the dragon then gets away, and nobody seems worried about the fact that the dragon's just escaped from its its, its yeah. chain, and it's flown towards... I guess a populated area, Hogwarts. Hogwarts gets trashed. Yeah, I mean, no one, there's nobody flying in tandem with Harry. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. This dragon is just chasing Harry and going to kill him. Yeah, at one point, Harry's dangling off Hogwarts. Yeah. And uh, there's no one there, no, no one cares. And that, that dragon's definitely hungry. I figured that this dragon thing must be going on during Quidditch time. I don't think there's any Quidditch in this film, is there? I can't remember if there's any in the book. You don't think there's any Quidditch? We just went to the Quidditch World Cup. No, I mean, I mean school Quidditch. Oh, school Quidditch, like low-level Quidditch. Yeah, no, like the, no. the rubbish Quidditch. <laughs> the, the rubbish Quidditch. I, yeah, um, but the uh, the dragon yeah. trashes Hogwarts. It does, and then it gets, presumably it knocks itself out or falls down some sort of chasm. Again, and then no one cares. No one cares. Harry gets the egg, and Ron and Harry then... Kiss and make up. Yeah, to, to an extent. And then Ron sort of claims responsibility for Harry being aware of the dragons. Mm, yeah, yeah, Although yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a bit confusing. It's a like, bit of a tenuous link. Yeah, he, he thinks he did more to help Harry than he really did. And then it's Christmas again. And I just wrote, I give up. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop bringing this up. But they are pagans... Who celebrate Christmas? We we are we have a Christmas uh, ball. Yeah, we have the, the Yule ball. Um, Ron gets a dress in the post. Yes, um, and then Maggie Smith has a great sequence with the kids where she's teaching them to dance. For this scene, I wrote Harry Potter does strictly come dancing, and Neville goes Fred Astaire. Yes, Neville goes Fred Astaire. <laughs> this is going to be a recurring theme that I I'm going to bring up every time I noticed it. This film is many many things. Not always a Harry Potter film. Yeah. So that this scene we have a strictly come dancing scene, really awkward dance with uh, <laughs> yeah, Cat it's Lady. Kind of, it's kind of pointless for me. The only real purpose of it was we get to see Mrs. Norris again. We do. I put in this as well. Nobody wants to go to the ball with Harry Potter, even though he's famous and he's just beaten a dragon. Yeah. Like he's he's well, he was already famous. Yeah. So that's pretty good. He's. Now he's a champion in an international wizard tournament thing. And you're telling me no woman in that bloody school will take him to the ball. No one wants to go with him. No, apparently not. It's a bit harsh. Really harsh, because the one person he does ask, and this is the the bit where I have questions about this character. Yes, Cho Chang. Cho Chang. Why is she in the post room? And why did Harry go up there? 
because he asks if she wants to go to the ball. She says no, so he walks back down again. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it was a ruse, James. <laughs> I assume there was a purpose to him going up there, but <laughs> it's never dealt with in the film because it cuts away from that. Then again, I, I mean. But no one wants to give the ball with him. And and then I'm like, yeah, then there's a scene where Rickman constantly hits children during a potions test. Yeah, they're in as the same class as uh, Ron's brothers. And everyone else, it seems, that's going yeah. to the school. How, how are they all in the same class? <laughs> I have no not idea. in different years? Or has that been forgotten about now? It's either revision or, a, or I'm assuming it's some sort of test because they're, they're in silence. Right. And they're all doing potions. Um, Ron's brother asks one of the girls out and then I just put teenage hormones are surging throughout this movie uh, we also find out that Ron's a bit of a pervert <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's oh dear this film forgets how old or in fact young some of these characters need to be oh, I think God. Ron Despite being best friends with Harry and making up again, Ron Harry buys himself a pair of robes and doesn't bother to get Ron a pair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry's got a pretty decent set of robes. Ron's in his mum's dress. Yeah. Um, Hagrid gets his one suit out again. He from, does. So the suit that Hagrid has is his suit for the Yule Ball. It's also his suit for when he's being charged with crimes and about to go to prison. <laughs> It's a very multi-purpose suit, I like it. It's like it. one of those guys that's like, you just put just the one suit, really. Funerals and court hearings. Court hearings, everything. <sighs> then we get a bit that I'm assuming it, there was something cut from the film or it's mm. in the book and explained more, but Ron and Hermione are arguing yeah. and Harry interrupts them and they say, where have you been? And that was my question, is that, Where's Harry been in all of this? I have like, no idea. I can't remember that at all. Yeah. yeah. So they, they just, I know what you mean. I remember they, the bit. They, they just, he, he walks into the scene and it's like, oh, you've been somewhere else. Yeah. Where have you been? And, and no one explains it. <laughs> There's another cameo in this film, James. Jarvis Cocker and yes. Johnny Greenwood. Yes, I liked this. Did you I like that? that? That was good. Uh, that, that pleased my, my musical sensibilities. They're I in a the band that. called The Weird Sisters. That's based on Macbeth. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That, they were great. I liked it. And it was, uh, I think, the first time we've heard rock music in the Harry Potter yeah. franchise. Yeah, it's, it's all a, been it's classical up into direction, yeah. So that was good. Uh, My wife pointed out something here that you're going to love. Okay. Why didn't Hermione ask Ron? Isn't Emma Watson a feminist? <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> very, very true. Why? She has a massive go at Ron for not asking her. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- Ron, bless him, um, doesn't think to ask her because he's a bit embarrassed, I guess. And, yeah. And uh, gets into a lot of trouble. Um, we then go to a scene where Cedric Diggory tells Harry to go and have a bath, which I think is weird. Yeah, that it's a bit weird. I'm glad, though, that they remembered about the egg. Because the, <laughs> the, the massive the, plot device. <laughs> they seem to have forgotten about it. Um, Hermione asked Harry, have you figured the egg out? And he says, yeah, yeah, I'll probably do that later. Um, <laughs> Even though he's tasked like a day later. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Hermione um, also seems to admit here that she doesn't really believe in Harry or his plot armour um, because <laughs> she's not sure he'll be okay. <laughs> Which when you realise the film's all about Harry, then it yeah. makes no sense. And you made a point earlier in saying what Hermione just says, which is, you cut through this just because it seems to work out for you. Yeah. But you might actually get battered in this next one. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no faith in Harry at this point. No. Harry, Harry hasn't proven himself yet. Ced, uh, Cedric lets him know that he needs to have a bath. Yeah. Moaning Myrtle has a cameo here as well. Um, it's good to see her again. Yeah. People popping up. And it's kind of cool because it's like, 
you do forget about characters and they and the, and the yeah. films do they just let a character go like that kid with the camera in the second one was it yeah. Colin I got confused he's there's, not in them he's not in them but there's a kid very much like him who comes to ask for Harry's autograph is that not the same kid or is that a different kid no you're gonna like this yeah that is his brother Brilliant. Who I can't remember the name of. Nigel. Nigel. Nigel Creevy. So that's his brother, because they look mm. very similar. That's great. Colin that... Creevy's brother. Wicked. Yep. So that's cool. Um, uh, Harry, I've put, Harry is totally reliant on other students, solves nothing himself. Why is, the, why is he the hero of this story? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and then Neville tells Harry to use the gillyweed to yeah. go underwater. Again, really lovely plot. Easy. Yeah. I mean... It, it makes sense, it, and we we end up in. A, it's a bit shit, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's a bit lazy. In the book, it's um, I think it's Dobby that comes to him, and Dobby brings him some gillyweed and says, oh, "I've got okay. this." So, I can't remember what it's all about, but I so remember we, it is Dobby. We 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 lose Dobby. We get Neville. We get Matt Lewis. Yeah, because yeah. I think he's probably cheaper to put on screen. All you have to you do, have Matt, to all you have to do is Matt Lewis is put some false teeth on him and a fat suit. Yeah. <laughs> he's cheaper than generating a Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got. Talents beyond that. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Matt, I really do apologise. Um, but uh, yeah, you you got put in for Dobby because you're cheaper. <laughs> I then wrote Harry Potter does Waterworld. This is going back to my thing. That if, yeah, uh, at various task. points, I will be saying Harry Potter does, and it's just my my version of recognising the films that they seem to be referencing. So Harry Potter does <clears> Waterworld. <throat> he gets gills. He can swim quite well. Yeah, they go in a surprisingly clean Hogwarts lake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And there's some mermaids knocking about. Yeah, and they're, they're doing what mermaids do. They, they sing. They look more like fish than people. Yeah, than, than they're less traditional... of a 50-50 split. They're more of sort of a 70-30 yeah. fish, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and then we obviously see why Hermione and Ron haven't been in mm. any recent scenes. They've been, yep. it looks like, drowned. Um, no, they've just been uh, suspended, I guess. In, suspended? In, under the water. Underwater. Which some might call drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he's got me. Um, they, they, they've been drowned, and uh, we get Harry Potter does Jaws. He does because yeah. the uh, the Bulgarian. Yes, uh, he has a shark head. He has a shark head because that's his way of getting around underwater, which seems far more efficient than basically being a gilled frog. Which is what Harry becomes. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to choose between two animals, you're not going to be going to go, what have you got? We've got frog or shark. Shark. Mm. of that weed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the I, I put it here. Was anybody going to save that French girl's sister? No, apparently not. <laughs> it was all down to Harry. Harry or nobody. Because she gets like knocked out pretty early in the competition. So, yeah. Was anybody going to get her? Was she just going to die? How did she get through the dragon? I don't know. Like, they it seems explain like, it, do It they? seems like swimming to a point where mermaids are Ugh. is going to be a little bit easier than big-ass dragon. I don't... That's well, I don't like the fact that even Rowling, as a, as a female writer of this story, she makes that Fleur Delacour character a bit of shit. Yeah, because she doesn't do that well in the next She doesn't do either. good in any of them, does she? No. And I'm thinking... How is she a champion? Why can't she at least win one? And then yeah. we can go, well, at least they're all on the level. But they make her seem... And I know I don't I don't like this. And I don't yeah. like to acknowledge this because, again, I am a feminist. But I don't like to say that they make her a bit weak and pathetic. Yeah, she's not... For no reason. She's, 
This this brings me to a point I, I probably should have raised earlier. Yeah. How does the Goblet of Fire know which one is a champion? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell even cares, James? Yeah. Right, well, we've run out of time, so we're going to have to... Uh, Cut this one short, I think, and pick up Goblet of Fire uh, next week. It's getting a bit like the tasks. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, James, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue this and we'll split it up. And, yeah, we'll get back to you guys with the rest of Goblet of Fire, hopefully next week. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.